Welcome to At Go AI. This is a short form podcast involving multiple series from For Humanity, just 10 minutes to gain insights on topics of pressing importance, specifically in the space of ethics and accountability regarding emerging technology. You will hear from game changers in this field who have spearheaded accountability, transparency, governance, and oversight in developing and deploying emerging technology, including artificial intelligence. My name is Megan Jacko. I work in risk assessment, cybersecurity engineering with Cyber Future Foundation, and I am focused on helping others thinking about ethics in terms of technology and shifting security left. I am one of the contributors to the For Humanity community and a host of this podcast. For Humanity is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to addressing the ethics, bias, privacy, trust, and cybersecurity and artificial intelligence and autonomous systems. For Humanity uses an open and transparent process that draws from a pool of over 350 plus international contributors to construct construct audit criteria, certification schemas, and educational programs for legal and compliance professionals, educators, auditors, developers, and legislators to mitigate bias, enhance ethics, protect privacy, build trust, improve cybersecurity, and drive accountability and transparency in AI and autonomous systems. For Humanity works to make AI safe for all people and makes itself available to support government agencies and instrumentalities to manage risk associated with AI and autonomous systems. If you want to know more about For Humanity, visit forhumanity.center. This is a series on the draft EU AI regulations. The draft regulations mandate classification of high-risk AI and also require specific approaches to ensure that such AI systems do not harm people. This regulation has proposed a penalty of 6% of global revenues or Euro 30 million for violations. We are going to gain perspectives from four humanity fellows regarding their current thoughts on this regulation. Today, we have Tristy Tanaka, who has worked for over 20 years in and with technologists to deliver organizational and functional change. She is always learning and using design thinking techniques to create, adapt, and improve the way services are designed, delivered, and evolved to meet the needs of users and teams in the workplace. She believes technology doesn't deliver success. People do. She is a current For Humanity Fellow. Welcome, Tristy. Could you share what are you working on currently? Hi, Megan. Uh, Thank you for having me here. Um, Currently working on uh, the For Humanity Ethics Curriculum. So our uh, quarter two plan is to focus on the algorithm risk analysis um, topic area, which has uh, quite a few subjects within it uh, to help an ethics officer guide an ethics committee um, through the ethical choices that occur when Uh, either developing or using AI systems within an organization. So it's quite a hefty topic. Uh, We have very many amazing people within the group who um, have taken up uh, lead posts in each of these uh, subject areas, ranging from uh, reliability, necessity, um, and uh, spanning all the way through to diverse inputs and multi-stakeholder feedback. And and actually, that's the one that I'm in. the work of For Humanity is really um, invaluable to me um, because it allows me to connect with experts from around the world who are committed to um, doing things a bit better um, and using audit as a form of uh, changing the way the world shapes with the use of automated systems. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you sharing about the current work um, that you're doing, building out that ethics curriculum so that once we are at the point 
where we have regulations passed, we'll be ready for it. But even prior to that point of regulations, right, because we can look at um, how do we train and provide guidance for organizations and governments um, as they are working to navigate this tricky artificial intelligence autonomous technology world. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, why do you think the draft EU AI regulations matter from your personal perspective? Um, personally, I've, I've been around the block for a while now in my career. Um, I've worked both in the public and the private sector. Uh, I've worked in technology throughout. Uh, Pre-dot-com boom is when I started my career. So it was before the internet was commercialized. So the idea of AI wasn't anything real to me when I started my career, but has definitely become a force in um, every aspect of, of my life. And I think the, those around me. Um, the EU AI regulations, the drafts, are um, a particularly interesting one on many different levels um, because um, as an American who has been living in the UK now for 20 years, or 20 years, 18 years, almost 20, um, almost as long as my career is held, um, <clears throat> I can start to see how each of the uh, uses of these types of technologies um, affect uh, the peoples in different ways, but then there are some similarities. Um, in the UK, there's there's a lot more focus on data protection, um, data itself, um, and they're exploring how they might be able to benefit from some of these technologies, um, AI in particular, automated decision-making to um, help address some of the challenges that the country's facing. Um, and of course, with Brexit, it makes it a little bit more complicated um, to look at what those relationships um, with the EU um, mean. And in particular, these regulations of the GDPR had a significant impact on the way that um, the information governance teams, if you like, within organizations operated, um, how they then influenced what happened with uh, the performance of individual teams, whole functions, products and platforms, um, both the public and the private sector. In fact, it's it's quite a huge part of everyday, I think, conversations in, in most organizations. Um, and what, what you're seeing, though, is the EU standing out and trying to make... Um, a difference between what would be considered a high risk and maybe just binary high risk and low risk implementations. What kinds of use cases are 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 there? Um, it's about time to see that because uh, there are many different examples um, that have already happened. Uh, which demonstrate the the risk that actually the risk if I would say risk it's actually issues because there were impacts directly to people who who experienced um, bias and and uh, discrimination from some of the systems that have been already implemented and it's the problem with scale that is is scariest so uh, being a mother um, I worry about the future that you know my children and others. Um, have in front of them. Um, they don't understand these technologies. Um, they have very little time to consider even cookie policies, you know, on the internet. So let alone, you know, consent and all of that. They don't really know because they don't have time. They assume someone else has taken on that um, that hat and and that role of responsibility of not taking advantage. Um, so so for many that conversation doesn't even come into play. But but it does actually when it affects them uh, individually. And the problem I think there is that um, as an individual, it's very hard to fight an entire industry, um, especially when um, 
those those industries are highly interconnected. They're they're defined already as successful and powerful, or they're just unknown completely. Um, and and where do we go from there? I think, and and there's just been so much conversation about regulations being the answer. They may be part of the answer, but I think the other parts of the answer, as many other groups are trying to form, is the different voices that should influence those regulations and what compliance actually might be and what would restitution look like when there is a failure um, because those, those um, highly visible cases that are in the news, you know, multi-million pound uh, fees and whatnot, they don't actually go to the people that have been affected by these systems. They go back into the system that perpetuates the regulation <laughs> and the compliance. So what does that really mean? I, I worry that it, it creates its own uh, structures and um, mechanisms, which still doesn't address the real problem, which is the one that people face every day. Um, and that's why I joined For Humanity, because I'm just one of the people. Um, I do have my own privilege. Um, you know, I, I probably recognize myself being middle class, um, but I have worked all my life. Um, and I have been committed to learning and continuous learning uh, to try to extend and grow my understanding of the experience of those around me and those in other places uh, to try to inform the work that I do. So when it comes to these regulations, um, hats off to the EU um, folks that have been and the experts that have contributed to this draft. Um, and I think that there's a, a lot of work to do, actually, because um, industry is quite powerful in um, presenting the argument as to why economically it will not benefit each of the countries who are all struggling at the moment to figure a way out of what happened with the COVID pandemic. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those where kind of looking at ways to have things be more proactive um, instead of reactive, trying to mitigate the bias, um, trying to look at impact and make sure that that impact is not negative. So it's, it is both very complex and an important thing to be working on um, to close out. What is one thing that you would bet on today from the EU regulations that you think will bring in a significant change to the world? Um, I think the most significant change will be a whole nother body of experts, certifications and qualifications that people will be expected to have to demonstrate their uh, competency and uh, skills to, to um, participate in compliance. Um, I know at For Humanity, we are creating our own GDPR certification scheme, which is great for our auditors. Um, but I think that does present another challenge, actually, for the people, you know, when they're looking at their careers, you know, how and where, who and how and where do they, you know, invest their time into understanding um, which ones are best for them. So that industry perpetuates its own structural challenges for people to actually get a foot in, if you like, uh, to be relevant. Um, and, and quite often those certifications are quite expensive um, and they um, can vary in time commitment. And uh, as a woman in tech, I think that's a really hard thing to do when you wear many hats to try to figure out how and where best to invest your time and your resources for your career, which you know, has much to do not only with your identity and your uh, perception of success, success, but also um, to ensure you have financial security, you know. Uh, so, 
and then for, for others, it will be um, to be able to inform the debate. You know, part of um, multi-stakeholder feedback and diversity is understanding that just because someone in the room looks like you doesn't necessarily mean that you're covering or that you might even have a room full of people that don't um, because there's so much more to diversity than, than just how you look and where you come from. Um, and that part is really hard to factor into the business model and to the operating model because it is, it's not just a static thing either. So there you go. That will be the challenge. I think going forward, um, that will bring changes. There is a desire and an appetite to engage, but how we do that has still been a, commu a communications challenge for um, many organizations to overcome. Um, and I think that that will be part of the challenge we all face with our careers going forward um, to be able to represent um, our lived experience as best as we can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as, as someone myself who completed a career pivot to um, cybersecurity, I'm very familiar with the which certifications to get and how does one decide? And, um, you know, you can view sometimes those as gatekeeping, right? Um, it, because it's here's this additional hurdle that you have to get over, but then it can also add to your body of knowledge. So it's kind of that balance between those two. Um, so, well, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today, Tristy, and thank you for joining. Um, if anyone listening wants to learn more and help with this project, you can go to forhumanity.center. Thank you. Thank you.